If we don't have, you know, the FM world and for that matter, you know, logistics, actually recognizing that it has a massively important role to play in leveling up, in offering jobs to, you know, long-term unemployed people, care leavers, um, you know, uh, mothers coming back into work after you know, being off for yep. 10 years. I mean, the FM industry is a real opportunity to make a difference. And then those people get on the ladder and move up. Mm-hmm. So I think that the industry has an enormous uh, role to play in this levelling up. And I would just encourage everyone to think big. Hello and welcome to Navigating ESG in Facilities and the Workplace. My name is Darren Pardy and I'm the host. I'm delighted to be joined by Guy Battle, who is the CEO of Social Value Portal. Guy, thanks very much for joining me today. How are you? Very well, thank you, Darren. And pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, before we get into ESG and, and what you do, uh, just some five uh, f- quick fire, five questions. Um it's a little bit personal, but uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Favorite film? Uh, oh gosh, uh, High Society. Good choice. Uh, favorite song? Uh, it's got to be a Coldplay song. Anything in there? Okay, so favorite favorite band was favorite band Coldplay. or artist? I'm assuming it's Coldplay. Yeah, that's is, three. Yeah. Uh, number four, favorite place to go anywhere in the world could be local. Or anywhere in the world, um, Laza in Tibet. Okay, cool. I'll look it up. And do you, do you like pineapple on pizzas? No, I hate pineapple on pizzas. What an abomination of a combination! Glad to hear it, guy. <laughs> I think we'll get along. Brilliant. So that's the quick fire questions, just to make it a little bit harder before we get into the heavy stuff. But uh, before I start asking questions around sort of social value. Uh, what is Social Value Portal for, for the listeners that have never heard of it? So um, we are a online platform, a service that helps organizations measure the contribution they make to society. And we, we call that social value. Um, so we're asking the question, you know, how do you contribute to society in terms of your environmental impact? Uh, the community benefits you bring and the economic benefits you bring. And so we we put all that together uh, with a sort of framework and an online solution to help organisations sort of improve what they're doing, basically. Okay. And how did you, because I've seen you've got a past in sustainability, which is kind of the the E, environmental within ESG, uh, and then you went into to social value. How, how did you get into it and, and why did you sort of set up Social Value Portal? I'm glad you've made that faux pas, actually, uh, Darren, because everyone gets confused. Everyone now, for some reason, thinks sustainability means the environmental bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, sustainability, which was a more sustainable development, so that's relevant to you know everyone who's listening to this. Uh, it was a, a term coined out of the Brundtland Report back in 1992, Earth Summit, that sort of period. And it defines sustainable development as social, economic and environmental sort of well-being or impact. Um, And so sustainability to me has always meant the social, economic and environmental piece. Having said that, I think you made a good observation in as much that um, my early career was very much focused on the environmental part of that. 
Um, so I started sort of looking at sustainability in about 93 when I set up a, a business called Battle McCarthy Work Consulting Engineers. We designed buildings and did master planning. And it was all focused on, on the environmental bit because no one really understood it then. You know, carbon dioxide equivalent was a kind of new term. The greenhouse gas protocol had not yet arrived. And you no, know, we were sort of pushing up um, sort of a, a brick wall. It felt like pushing water up a, a hill at, at, at some points, but nonetheless, it took hold. And then, you know, you don't know any engineers now who don't talk about sustainable design. I mean, it's just, yeah, you know, it's mainstream. It is, it's everywhere. And I guess um, part of my journey on that was um, in those early days to sort of recognize that social was a part of the discussion but absolutely having no idea how to measure it. I mean, just, you know, you talked about people and stuff, but we, we had no idea how to measure it. Um, we learned how to measure the environmental bit um, because, you know, the metrics came forward. And it was only in 2013. So, you know, that's, that's sort of 20 odd years after I started my journey that um, I came across uh, a little known act called the Public Services Social Value Act. And that was, that happened to be passed through Parliament in, in 2013. Um, and it defined social value as the social, economic and environmental well-being. And the Act requires all public sector buyers, so that's local authorities and central government, mm-hmm. to consider social value in their decision making. Um, so it's another way of saying they have to consider sustainability in their decision making uh, and ensure that not only is whatever they're choosing, and that could be a service or indeed it could be a you know, it could be a building or, you know, FM contract. They have yep. to consider um, not only the cost, but the environmental, social and uh, the economic benefit to society. And that's where I started focus on, on the social side of things, because I realised at that point that there was no way of measuring that. And so between 2014 and kind of 2016, I spent my time um, developing up a measurement framework social value measurement framework um, that's known as the national social value measurement framework or the national toms some of your listeners might have heard about it yeah and it's become the sort of the major solution for measuring and reporting social value Um, and that's now being used to report on social value both within normal public sector procurement but also within real estate and also within um, the fm uh, sector right okay because i'm assuming I've seen you um, obviously at the Workplace Futures event. I believe you were at a CBRE event recently uh, where they talked about ESG. So, so you you quite involved in the facilities management industry? Yes. I mean, being having a background in, in real estate, I kind of, you know, I, it's just in my blood, Darren, mm. real estate and buildings. And so um, the first study that I did back in 2015 on social value was actually around real estate. And it was right. a, a study that was jointly funded by British Council of Offices, BCO and Legal and General. And I looked at the social value around real estate um, and it particularly took a building uh, and tried to understand and measure that. And it, it was a building that Legal and General were just developing 245 Hammersmith Road. Um, so um, three, thousand square meter building um oh, sorry thirty thousand square meter building right and um as part of that study began to look at 
how social value is delivered through the full life cycle of a building. It's rather like carbon. When we talk about carbon, we mm. talk about carbon in manufacture of materials. We talk about carbon through construction. We talk about carbon through operation, then carbon through disposal. That's the kind of the yeah. carbon cycle. Social value, in a way, is no different. So you can talk about social value through the supply chain. You can talk about social value being delivered through construction. Uh, you can then talk about social value um, delivered through operation and then finally reuse and of course that operation piece is where you know the facilities management workplace management industry really focuses and if you were to break down the percentages of social value related to each of those areas so the supply chain and construction is around about 15 20 percent um that sort of order um the occupier might be um, 60% or so, um, that leaves 15 up to 20% that can be delivered through how that building is, is actually uh, managed through its life cycle. Wow. And so the social value that the FM team can unlock is the same, if not more, than the social value unlocked during you know the big build, the construction. Yep. And so I'm naturally really interested in it and working with um, the um, FM in industry about how to unlock that value in not only how buildings are managed, but importantly, rethinking the relationship that the facility manager has with the occupier to ensure mm -hmm. that social value is unlocked through an occupier's CSR or corporate social responsibility program. Thank you very much. Very interesting. So. 2014, you set up Social Value Portal, uh, and obviously 2022, it's it's big on the agenda in terms of ESG. How different is it having a conversation with someone now about social value and how important it is to re um, record those metrics then in 2014 to to now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. I, I think at this this point, um, let me just sort of get into definition of terms, if I might. Um, mm -hmm. So you've got, you've just mentioned two there, Darren. One is social value and the yep. other is ESG, so environmental yep. social governance. The other one that's, you know, banded around often is CSR or corporate social responsibility. Yep. And so I think it's just worth just dissecting those slightly. At the end of the day, they kind of all mean the same thing. But ESG is really as a framework, it, it grew out of the investment industry asking organisations to declare their risk around uh, the exposure to environmental risk, social risk, and, and how they were managing those risks. So yeah. environmental risk might be compliance around, you know, disposable of, of uh, chemicals. Social risk might be uh, compliance around, um, you know, anti-slavery law. How do you manage that? Anti-corruption. And then governance is a wraparound. When we talk about social value, we, we kind of go through the other side. So if ESG is about minimising harm, uh, social value is about maximizing value created. So it's mm -hmm. all about how we have a conversation about the value creation once you've ensured that you are no longer breaking the law. I mean, yep. breaking the law is, I mean, you know, one shouldn't get a pat on the back for not breaking the law, right? Um, no, you should be quite. getting a pat on the back for doing more social value. And that's kind of where we focus. And then right. CSR, corporate social responsibility, plays right into the center of, of social value. So what you deliver through a good and well-applied CSR program is more value to community, i.e. more social value. Yep. So, so, but 
I'm assuming there's a big difference between having a conversation about social value in 2014 than there is in 2020. Yes, absolutely. So back to your original question, having done the definition. Um, So, yes, so I think there is a big difference uh, in 2014, 2015, not least a measurement framework. So we're now able to put a value on social value. So um, as part of the TOMS framework we developed, um, we've broken it down to a series of activities, but uh, we can now say how much value is created for society. So what's the, the pound contribution uh, yep. that an organization can make. Um, you know, we've been doing this now for, well, 2014 is when I kicked it off, but sort of we, we worked in anger, so to speak, 2016. So that that's about six years or so. And so we've got a lot of, you know, buildings under our belt, a lot of projects under our belt. So we know, we kind of know what good looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can measure it, you can actually answer the question what good's like, good looks like, and then importantly, you can work out how to improve it. And so measurement has been fundamental in, in that sort of manage and improvement journey because then we yep. can do more and we can do it better. Great. And, and how how has Social Value Portal positively impacted on the FM community, do you believe? So I think um, the FM community um, has um, actually does a fair amount of social value already. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it it doesn't recognise what value it brings to the community um, because it kind of a lot of organisations just do it because it's just their their way of doing business. So you know you might be employing local people in your supply chain you might be you know using a a local charity to manage the external gardens for instance these sorts of things um what we help is put a uh, a sort of spotlight on those and encourage or or just helps um, the fm industry understand what they are doing um and then how they can do more and so yeah. that's kind of where we fit in to this puzzle is, is really highlighting and, and helping put a structure. So there's a proper structured conversation with the, with the industry around this. And then the other thing I think we've, we've helped um, to just highlight and, you know, it's, it's obviously what you measure, you can manage. Um, I think just challenging the industry, asking, you know, what else can you do? Why is it that, you know, the job description for the FN team, stops at just managing the external spaces and managing the spaces and you know checking the heating is working and you know checking that you know the rents are being collected you know in the broader property services why aren't you as a team also engaging with the occupier is there a way of actually working with the occupier to help them do more in the community and i think that for me is a really interesting new role new definition for the fm uh, industry mm. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's sort of one main area of focus to help uh, not just FM organisations um, improve, but all organisations improve within social value, would there be one area that you would focus on? And if so, what, what would that be? Um, so <laughs> you're asking me to... Uh, um, it's, it's a very broad question. That's a broad question. So, I mean, social value is social, economic and environment. So you're asking me to make a choice between the social side, the economic side, the environmental side. I mean, we're in the middle of a, 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 a you know, climate crisis. So, um, 
you know, shouldn't we all just be having net zero carbon as the priority? And the answer is yes. Um, and, you know, our communities are all struggling with cost living crisis, you know, and shouldn't we be ensuring we employ local people? Absolutely, yes. And spending money in the local community and volunteering in the community. Um, you know, many places are are suffering from lack of skills and young people are coming out of school early without those necessary skills. So shouldn't we be focusing on uh, providing, you know, mentoring and um, internships for young people? So it's it's a kind of Hobson's choice, you've asked me. It's a bit tricky to say which is more important. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, what's the easiest thing to do? Well, the easiest thing isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Mm. Or the most effective but i can tell you generally speaking what the easiest the kind of no-brainer should mm. be for every single fm is to ensure you are employing local people mm-hmm. um ensure that you are where you need to outsource um you know garden maintenance external works maintenance you are using local businesses and if those businesses can be social enterprises yeah, those are just two things you should do as an absolute no-brainer because those add real value to the community. Thank you, Guy. Um, and and what big sort of changes over the next ten years do you see with social value? Do you see any sort of changes or, or improvements? Yes, no. So I think that we're we're ten years on from the Social Value Act. It was actually passed by Parliament in 2012, although it was implemented in 2013. So we're ten years on, and um, you know a lot of local authorities have picked it up now, and also now more in central government. But probably just a 60% coverage, possibly 65. I think in ten years we're going to see social value as just you know it's going to become so normal, rather like sustainability is. Yeah. Um, and what that means, if you want to win work with the public sector, whether it's central government, local government, it is the health service, whoever it might be, if you don't have a really well thought through social value strategy, you're not going to win work with the public sector. So that's kind of core. I think what we're also going to see over the next 10 years is business, so that private sector organisations, like legal and general, for instance, who are saying, um, yes, we want to get a you know competitive and the right service level from our FM provider, but actually legal and general want to also embed the principles of the Social Value Act into their decision making. So I think we're going to see more and more developers um, or, or owner occupiers um, taking lessons learned from the public sector and, and, and making using those in decision-making around uh, their appointments. And the final thing that I think will drive all of this is two elements. Um, one is planning permission. So uh, we're already seeing lots of local authorities requiring social value statements as part of the planning submission, and that covers construction. And I think that's going to leach into... Um, operation and then the other thing that will support that is what i'm calling sort of social leases so um green leases you know a lot of your listeners will understand so that's you know uh, working with the occupier to reduce you know, energy consumption etc social leases are working with your occupier to ensure that they have a targeted local csr program so i think we're going to see those two things coming to the fore over the next 10 years 
Fantastic. Uh, we've already noticed in terms of public sector tenders, um, scoring, allowing for uh, social value, uh, but also a lot of the corporates are now starting to consider that as well. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that will become um, that become quite a big chunk of, of scoring for when you're when you're trying to win tenders or or contracts with corporates or um, public sector organisations as well. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Guy, that's all of my questions. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I think, I mean, other than say, I, I do think, um, you know, the, the, the FM sector, well, it, is it for me is a sort of undervalued, unrecognised sector. Mm. Um, and it's also associated with um, low, providing low skilled jobs, you know, like cleaning services, and waste management yep. services. Now, um, I, I did a lot of work with Prologis, who are logistics, so they build sheds, warehouses. And right. one of the arguments that, you know, those who are, who don't really understand them is that logistics centres just provide jobs for low skilled people. Um, and the same breath, you could say FM just provides jobs for low-skilled people. But the thing is, those low-skilled jobs are really important because of the bottom run, run of a ladder that then gets you the ability to move up another rung and another rung and another rung. And if we don't yeah. have, you know, the FM world and, for that matter, you know, logistics, actually recognising that it has a massively important role to play in levelling up in offering jobs to, you know, long-term unemployed people, care leavers, um, you know, uh, mothers coming back into work after you know, being off for yeah. 10 years. I mean, the FM industry is a real opportunity to make a difference. And then those people get on the ladder and move up. Mm-hmm. So I think that the industry has an enormous uh, role to play in this levelling up. And I would just encourage everyone to think big, you know, get hold of the, the levelling up paper, and I know it's long and 150 pages, but actually there's some really important elements within it that we all as businesses, regardless of whether we work with the public sector, can contribute to our, our communities that, you know, as we know, are going through a massive cost of living crisis, right, as we speak. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And completely agree about um, FM companies giving people the opportunity to to progress there is a clear path with with a number of people that join organizations where they can start off as you say as one of the lower rungs and then quite quickly within a period of years can be you know supervisors contract managers and and so on that's quite a natural progression yeah i mean the whole issue of social mobility is so important you know from deprived areas all the way up so it's you know this is you know it's good that organizations offer these jobs and there's nothing that I mean, they should be celebrated in my book, and often they're under-celebrated. People talk about, you know, it's this politicians say low-skilled, low-paid jobs. I mean, you know, I just think it kind of misses the point, as if we can all do high-paid, high-skilled jobs. I mean, I know I can't do some high-skilled jobs. I can't be a bloody astrophysicist, right? So there's no point offering me that job, but I can do other things. There's lots of other people can do other things, and I think that that the FM world is undervalued in in that respect. Yeah, and I think um, during sort of the lockdowns, certainly when it was only essential workers that could work, um, then the FM community were, I, sp- I suppose, in, in in the light saying, you know, cleaners are turning up, cleaning hospitals, doing a fantastic job. You, yeah, key workers, you know, at, at supermarkets and, and and so on. So those lower yeah. paid jobs were, were actually crucial jobs when we really needed it to be. 
I do. I, I agree with you. But there is a there is another challenge around this, and you could argue this is a political challenge, but but it's more sort of just cost of um, of or wealth distribution challenges. Just making sure that you know the um, your employ you're, you're paying the living wage or the or you know the real living wage. It's just ensuring that the minimum is being offered by. So it's not about cheap labour. This is about you know the yeah. right type of labour with the right type of pay. It's making sure that, and and you know the public sector do have um, a role to play in this to ensure they're not cutting the the, the sort of the pie or the bone so thin and they're cutting the the, 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 sort of the flesh so close to the bone that there's no space to pay people properly. So I think that's really important that, you know, we don't undercut ourselves and end up actually um, uh, delivering just, just a, a solution that doesn't actually support people and communities, which is, you know, what every business needs to be all about. I, I agree. Do you think there's actually an issue sometimes with where public sector, certainly with tenders, um, where they want good value so for example um the scoring on a public sector tender could be 60 percent price or 80 percent price therefore organizations that are bidding for those types of works have to go in so keen that they might not be able to offer yeah. the, the, the 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 living wage maybe yeah no i i that is a danger i i like to think uh darren that we're beginning to move away from that. I mean, certainly we're working with about 100 councils at the moment um, across the UK, and um, all of them are embedding social value into their procurement decision-making. Oh, and all of them have a minimum of 10%, and some of them have 20% social value. So so, let's, so that might be price at 50%, um, quality at, you know, let's say 35% and then you've got 15% of social value, you know, or some right. combination thereof. Yep. But the important thing is that um, when you add quality and price together as a total percentage, it comes, it's, it's, it's at least normally equivalent to what the, the cost is, um, yep. but often greater than the cost element. So quality plus social value might be 55 or 60% in some cases. Now, um, but as that social value percentage rises, so if you're bidding for work in Manchester, any of the boroughs in Manchester, they all have a uh, social value weighting of 20%. So, you know, well, that's, I mean, that's a game changer, right? Mm, absolutely. It, it's definitely moving in the right direction. I, th I think with everything, there are improvements to be made, but, you know, you're yeah. saying 20%, that's, that's fantastic uh, to hear. Um, great. Anything else you'd like to add, Guy? Um, no, I think um, that's enough for the moment, Darren. I think uh, it's been a good conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I've really appreciated your time. Uh, thank you very much for being a guest and uh, speak soon. And and for all those people listening, uh, this um, you can follow us on YouTube. Uh, I'll post it on the link. And you can also follow us on Spotify and Amazon Music. But uh, thanks very much for your time, Guy. I really appreciate that. My pleasure. It's good to be here, Darren.